0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Special guests and off topics in this segment, anything goes. You're listening to 3 p.m.
0: Well, uh, a while back, I reached out to Reed, Reed has listened to the podcast, and since we started doing our 3 p.m. episodes, we were looking for different people who had different experiences from different cultures to come on and teach us, and immediately, like, the first person I thought of was Reed, um, and specifically Reed for Thailand, and so we're excited to come for you to come on and to teach us about Burma. <laughs> Jokes, okay, Thailand. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I can uh, do this justice. (laughs) Tiananmen
2: Square.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so my mom is actually from Thailand. She was born just right outside of Bangkok, and so growing up, there was always like that Thai influence in the home, whether that was like through our food or just stories in general. And I remember as a young kid being half Thai and not being able to speak the language there was kind of like this like disconnect with like my heritage, right? I wasn't really, like I could say that I'm Thai, but I didn't really know what that meant. Mm. All it meant for me was just like when I had snacks at school, like I ate like seaweed and like weird <laughs> snacks. And all the other kids like had gushers and they were like, why do your snacks smell so weird? <laughs> that's what like, being Thai meant and to you. I was you. Just, like, I'm Thai. <laughs> you know, so that was kind of just like to the extent as a young boy, like that's what it meant to me was just like, I ate things differently than other, like, than my friends did. So that was, like, my initial upbringing, I guess. And then as I got older, I learned more about, like, my mom's story. And so, like, my relationship with my heritage changed slightly because growing up, everyone would be like, oh, you're from Thailand or you're Thai. That's so cool. And I always, like, seconded that. I thought that was, like, a really unique aspect of, like, my my identity. But then um, I started learning more things about the darker side of Thailand and, like, how that shaped like my personal family's history. And so when I had the opportunity to to go there for a couple years, I was like ecstatic. I couldn't have been more excited to just like go there and connect with the people, learn the language and understand like my family's like story a little bit better. And so going to Thailand was the best experience ever. I mean, I can't like express in words like how much it changed me as a person and um there's just certain places i feel like everyone has like certain places that just like speak home to them i remember just like landing there for the first time and feeling like this is home to me even though i'd never been there prior to that Mm. so that's kind of like my intro into Mm -hmm. thailand and my experiences there
1: and maybe this is jumping the gun but what does being thai mean to you now after you've gone through that
3: that's a really hard question i feel like let me let
0: me think about it real quick take your time man
3: <clears throat> when i think about being Thai, i think about um just the overall struggle that a lot of families have when they immigrate to the united states i think about like my own family story and the process that they took to get here and how um, that just defines like family, like family values, I guess. And that's a hard question. I don't know how to like.
0: Do you feel like through your journey you have come to understand Thai or do you feel more Thai? Like when you say I'm Thai, it holds more than smelly snacks.
1: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Just the value of Uh it. Like, running through your, like, you have Thai blood.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I I was raised to be, like, pretty patriotic. Um, but even saying that, like, I feel like I'm just as Thai
1: as I am American now. Hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool.
3: And just to give, like, a little intro for everyone out there, Thailand is just, like, a country located in Southeast Asia. It's bordered by um Myanmar laos and cambodia it's about the size of texas but holds 69 million people it's a little bit a little bit bigger (laughs) in terms of (laughs) population wise Mm -hmm. and it's like 95 percent buddhist so that's the predominant religion there
0: thailand wasn't always known as thailand it was known as siam
3: yeah like siamese siamese twins ah
0: so that's like the same thing yeah oh
3: the kingdom of siam so like an interesting fact about Thailand is so they're very proud of the fact that they were never officially colonized by a Western power. Mm-hmm. So that's like something that they like pride themselves in. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because um, the word Thai, Khun Thai, Thai means like free. So it's kind of an interesting like play on words.
0: Like free land? Yeah, the free land. That's awesome. Free people,
3: like Khun means people, Khun Thai, free, free person.
0: Give us a little Thai language lesson.
3: Like what do you what do you want to hear?
0: Uh let's start with hello.
3: So for um, a guy, it's polite to say like cup after every like phrase you would say, girls would say ka. Um so if I was to say hello it'd be Sawadikap. so what de cup. So what the cup? So mm-hmm. cup? Not a lot of people have heard Thai other than like, like a very normal greeting. So I wanted to give you an example of what Thai sounds like perfect because I feel like a lot of people kind of group like Asian languages together and Thai sounds very different in the sense that Chinese Japanese and Vietnamese are very staccato and choppy Uh but Thai is I guess like a lot more drawn out and dramatic Mm but i'm just going to like just introduce myself in thai just to give you an idea of like what that sounds like phonetically so at dee kap pom chue reed anay na khap pom ma california pom chue wa rao tu khon ko pen pen phuen kan rao tong kan khwam rak nai chiwit ni tee ja ao sing tee mai na khap so it's like a lot more I don't know how you would describe that. Like melodic, or what, yeah. what would you say?
0: I could say I could see that. It's beautiful. That's what it is. I love that. It's like a song.
2: Mm. That's what it felt like too when we were there. It was just like I'm just listening to people sing right now, almost.
3: So what did you say? I just said like, "Hey, my name is Reed. I'm from California."
1: I got that part.
3: Yeah. yeah. California, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard to hide that. And then, I, <laughs> and then I, uh, I just said like, I believe everyone in this world, we're all like here to become friends. Mm. The only thing that we have is like love to like conquer that, which is bad. Bro, I felt that. I'm,
0: I'm going to sample that. That's, That's our new God. intro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So
3: the Thai language is really cool. It was like extremely difficult. It's a, um, script language. Mm. So it's mean? it's not like you see like normal letters like yeah. A B C D like there are symbols for uh,
2: different yeah. words and stuff. That
0: one thing I notice in Thailand is everyone goes ah ah mm,
1: ah mm, ah mm, the, uh, 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 ah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: kind of like a way that you show people that you're engaged in what they're saying. I'm here with you. Yeah, uh, that's good. I so like, good. like a lot of people will be like while you're speaking they'll be like ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, uh none of that ah uh, ah uh. like they'll just like. <laughs> Gang. (laughs) So I felt like coming home, I had this weird urge to just do that. Do that while people were speaking. I was like, that's not chill. I was like, bro, chill, dog. (laughs) Trying to spec. Yeah. And the Thai people in general are just very, you experience this firsthand, like very loving, very proud of where they come from. Mm -hmm. They want to show you their home. They want you to feel accepted. Uh. (laughs) Ah. And so that led that, like, attitude like permeates every aspect of society.
1: Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
3: So one of the things that really impacted me when I first moved to Thailand was the fact that it literally felt like I was like living in this like silent war that was happening. There was like this extreme juxtaposition between modern technology and like this like very ancient rich, like cultural tradition. Mm. And so like images, that really have like stuck in my mind are like remembering seeing like a really old leathery monk wearing this like beautiful crimson robe but he has like has an iPhone in his hand and to me like going into a, an area or an environment like that was so interesting to me or seeing like these massive skyscrapers being built in Bangkok but below the cranes were like bamboo scaffolding so there's always like this like these forces like pushing against each other of old and new and, or like just even seeing elephants cleaning up trash on the street. What? Like there are some areas in um, Thailand where there would be a person who'd be just like walk a smaller elephant on the sidewalk and it would just like pick up trash with his trunk. Whoa. I only saw that a f- in a few places, but that was just like, it was a movie and it was just so cool that like, You know, my my family was from this place and there were so many changes happening, but it was just like really interesting to experience that like firsthand.
0: Dang. (laughs) On on one hand, it's like you can appreciate the progression and that's like every country's right, but it's like you want to make sure that they don't lose
1: their identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That's crazy. So it's like super in your face. Yeah. Old and new. Yeah. That makes sense.
3: And I think that's something that is really pressing on a lot of older generate older ties is like, because every country obviously like goes through that process of becoming more modern and like integrating technology into your economy and your everyday life. But in Thailand, it happened so quickly within like 20 years, 30 years. It just like was like that Mm -hmm. to the extent where like my grandma's from Thailand and she like grew up there. She lives in Georgia now, but she refuses to go back. She's like, that's not, that's like I don't I'm from.
0: remember home, being like interesting, that. Yeah. and okay. so
3: she's like, if I go back, Reed, Can you come with me and like show me Bangkok?
0: You would have to like take yeah. show her around.
3: I was her like, home. this is the Sky Train. This is how we get from A to B. This is like whoa, like the underground rail, like you know, like the subway, subway or whatever. That's kind of wild because she just doesn't know. Like when she was in Bangkok, there there wasn't a building taller than four stories. That's wild. and now it's like one of the biggest international cities in the
0: world. Mm-hmm. So, like, paint a picture for me. When you step off the plane in Thailand, what is it like?
3: Yeah, so I think the very first thing that you'll notice is you'll, like, walk out of the airport onto the street and there's just, like, pink and yellow and blue and green taxi cabs everywhere. I don't know. I think that's that's just, like, it was, like, interesting to me to see, like, color that way because I feel like in the United States pretty bland Mm -hmm. and so just to see that like those vibrant colors pop out at you right away you're like oh this is a new place you know that's cool
0: but thai's like super hot humid yeah it is like jungle right there skyscraper right by it yeah
3: it's interesting how there's like little pockets of bangkok that have still like remained just quiet and like peaceful but then like you Mm -hmm. turn the corner and it's like a bustling city
2: well, the first thing that stood out to me was just how huge Bangkok was, like I had no idea I expected like a big city, but not as big as it was,
0: yeah, for me, landing in Bangkok was the sound, like the noise, yeah. it's just bustling, and I've been to New York, I've been to like big cities big you know, mm-hmm. but there's just something about a south- southeast Asian city <laughs> where it's like. You're driving and you can you catch like snippets of sound from each alleyway you're going by and there's someone like welding and then there's like yeah. livestock and animals down the next one and then there's like someone banging on something or cooking and flames yeah. and just like people crossing children playing. So it's just like, it's bustling.
3: And it was really interesting seeing just in the few years that I was there how the role of a Thai monk changed. Hmm. So prior to like this huge economic and technological boom monks were almost like they were they are officials really like they govern the land in a way you would go to them for advice they were there to perform like prayers and rituals and they were very integrated into society and now in many places especially in bangkok um they're more of just like a placeholder for like meetings and ceremonies Mm. and so i feel like there is this like really strong push not for like i said a physical place but more of like a spiritual mental place where they can like look back on
1: tradition um you were talking about like the monks there are they regarded as like are they like do they have status there like super are they like really respected i don't know in my mind if i feel like if i saw somebody like that immediately i'd be like this person is wise. Like, I just want to hear their stories or like lessons that they would have to teach. Like, or are they just like regular, normal everyday people?
3: I think it, that's a great question. I think it depends on the person really in general, they like deserve a lot of respect because they've dedicated their lives to understanding the human condition, trying to help their communities. But anyone can, it's called boo Pratt anyone can become a monk and that can be for a planned amount of time. And so oftentimes it's very traditional for young men to boot, pratt to become a monk for one and a half to two years after high school hmm. to kind of like really respect your family. And um, it like brings blessings to your family. If you, if you sacrifice that much time um, there are, The monks that have dedicated their entire lives to the practice, um, they are exactly what you would expect. Like very polite, wise people that people come to to seek advice from. Mm -hmm. They even have um, a different set of pronouns
1: or words that they use Mm -hmm. to distinguish
3: the difference in in status. Yeah. Just like how there's
1: "cup" for guys, mm -hmm. cop for girls. So there's a different set of pronouns for monks. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. There's a there's a
3: a completely higher language that people of religion would use that you would find in scripture or that like a priest or a monk would say. Yeah. Hmm. So like when you pray in Thai, you're using a set of like a language set that's not spoken of in a colloquial sense. Dang. And so like the word for hand is mu But if you were like talking with a monk about the divine hand, you would say Prahat. There's just different words for it. Mm -hmm. But that just denotes a sense of respect and and sacredness.
0: Did you learn a lot of the higher language or get familiar with it at all? Yeah, we got, because we we read a lot.
3: And so a lot of the things that we were reading were religious texts. Mm -hmm. And so we were very familiar with, it's called... um, and that's like a higher, more... I'm not going to say like an elitist language because it's not like that. But it's, it's just status. Like, it's like a language that you use when you're like discussing religious topics. Hmm. Um, I'm just going to give a quick like rundown. So Thai Buddhism is very much influenced by traditional folklore, by like natural... Um, spirits and so there's a lot of like hindu animist aspects to their buddhism and that belief is ingrained in a lot of everyday practices and so i'm sure when you were there you saw these small shrine type houses outside of buildings Mm -hmm. and those dwellings are there for spirits to occupy who have been displaced by like the construction of a building and so there are certain oh. things like that. Every single big building in any city is going to have a spirit house. So like, like those religious traditions are preserved in everyday life. And oftentimes you'll see like Thai people when they like pass a spirit house or like a statute, they'll they'll like bow their, their heads and like kind of Wyatt in respect. And so there are certain aspects of religion that are, are disappearing with just like a new age, but there are also certain aspects like that where I think will never, they'll never go away.
1: That's really beautiful. I love that. They're able to keep that and practice that.
0: I have, I have two questions. Yeah. First, you said a Wyatt. What does that mean? Oh,
1: to, to Why? Like to
3: why the spirit house to Wyatt is like, you're putting your hands together and you're touching your, like the tips of your fingers to like, your nose or forehead and kind of bowing your head to like show respect.
0: Yeah, because bowing is big in Thailand. Yeah. Which I noticed and I noticed there was like a particular way people would do it. And so it's called whying. A Y? Yeah, to Y. To why. Like that. like I guess you would spell W A I. Okay. And that is just showing respect.
3: Yeah. But that's also like a greeting between two people as well.
0: I like that. So I loved it, bro. I was bowing to Erwin. I was like, I was throwing them out there. I was whining up and down everywhere. <laughs> um, my next kind of thought or question was, would you say, and this might be for lack of a better word, but would you say the Thai people are superstitious?
3: I would for sure say that because, like I said, like Thai Buddhism is so open and they openly acknowledge the existence of spirits. Obviously, they build houses for them in every single building. And so because... There's that like general acceptance that there is an existence of the paranormal. Like everyone is open to it. Everyone has stories or experiences that they've, that like are dear to them that are close to them that they have with like paranormal or with spirits. Um,
0: And would you say they, they believe it? Oh yeah. Like it's not like a, Oh, this might be real. It's like a real thing to them.
3: Yeah. So like you would bring up, Cause I'm from the United States. I would go over there and I would bring up like a scary movie or like a spooky story. And like a lot of them would just kind of freeze up and be like, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with that because they are so involved with, um, their religion and their society where like spirits are ingrained in that they just like, don't want to mess with it.
0: So it's like real enough to them where they're like, "No, nah, I'm not yeah. down. dude." We've, we've talked about this a lot, but when there are cultures or groups of people who fully believe in it, it's so much more real and you can like feel it in the air. Could you, would you agree or like, did you feel it when you were there?
3: Yeah, for sure. And it's even accepted and talked about even on an institutional level. And so it wasn't like just a group of kids being like, bro, like spirits are real. Like the ghosts are real. Like things can happen. It's like the director of aviation making a statement that this incident happened probably because of an angry spirit. Dang. So their biggest airport, it's called Sawanapum International Airport, means place of gold. It's pretty cool. But um, it was built on a, on a massive cobra swamp that also used to be an ancient burial
1: ground. Wait, what's a cobra swamp dog? (laughs) And for some reason, I knew you were going to say burial ground. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, what else going to be built on?
3: It's just like Bangkok is—it's a marshland, Uh and so like that specific um, Samut area has a lot of marshes and just a ton of cobras. Oh, so like real ass cobras? (laughs) Okay, real cobras, like a cobra swamp. (laughs) So they drain the swamp. Built this beautiful airport. you've been there. Uh-huh. it's the, one of the busiest airports in Southeast Asia, like thirty sixth biggest airport in the world. It's massive. So they drained that swamp, built this beautiful building. They just had a lot of issues with like the construction of the building and like health hazards. and it wasn't open yet, but they were doing test runs of planes. Um there were like weird incidences where, Two employees were, like, driving cars on the runway and, like, ended up wrapping their cars around these lampposts. Like, they were cruising and something happened. And many people argue, like, oh, it's because they were driving so fast. But, like, everyone, like, the general consensus was that, like, something happened that, like, messed with, like, their vehicles. Something paranormal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's, like, the superintendent, the squadron leader of that whole construction made a statement and said that he almost crashed and died at the airport because he saw an old lady dressed in traditional Thai clothing, carrying a baby. And then all of a sudden like disappeared, like while he was driving in front of him. So you have like these like very important, respected officials saying these things are happening. Mm -hmm. And even in the opening of the airport itself, just picture this 99 monks, walking in a procession one by one into the airport and for nine weeks they do an exorcism prayer ritual
1: and that's the opening of the airport to like dedicate the yes. airport the building the land itself mm-hmm. bro that's wild
3: so that's like full sc- full scale acceptance of like a different type of being like yeah. a reality of like Entities spirits.
0: i i fully believe That the more energy you give to something, the more real it is. So you have a whole country who like isn't casually believing in spirits. They full on believe it. I think in my personal opinion, there is something, you know, there's something to that. And, and we've talked about this before with like voodoo and stuff. It's like on Haiti, I don't care what you say. Voodoo is real because of how much they believe in it. And talking to you prior to tonight and even tonight, you could, it feels like the same thing. Like, top government officials fully believe this. Everyone fully believes this. So there's definitely something to it.
1: Mm -hmm. And if there's like any chance of any type of evil or any type of spirit that can cause something negative to happen, I feel like the only proper response is to bring in 99 monks for nine (laughs) weeks (laughs) to cleanse that, you know, in in that environment. So that's something that I, I respect. Along those same lines, I was
3: telling Charles about this. A couple months back but they actually built this like pretty state-of-the-art hospital out in this very rural area and then there was instances of like paranormal activity and people were just spooked out to be there and i'm not sure what happened in the background but they ended up just like evacuating the hospital and it's just like an empty building now
0: so this is a million million dollar
3: facility yeah out in like the udon thani like close to cambodia very rural thailand
0: and because they felt something weird, everyone just gets up
1: and leaves it. <laughs> Sounds like we got to go back to Thailand, right? Bro, Reed,
0: right. Is, Reed was telling me there is an abandoned hospital that's haunted in the jungles of Thailand.
3: Yeah, so it's just like being in that environment and realizing that this is a reality and a truth for so many people that I ended up connecting with on a very personal level. Like... Mm-hmm. It influenced me to just believe in it more, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
1: Definitely. Given the chance, would you, would you go to some place like that?
3: Oh yeah.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> I'm just waiting for Charles to
3: call
0: me, man. <laughs> straight up, though, uh, it, it is kind of my dream to travel to Thailand with you. So if you're down, I'm straight up down, and we'll plan it. That would be
1: cool. The only other question that I have is, what are what are Thai superstitions common? Maybe everyday ones or
3: that's well, a good question. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of Southeastern Asian countries share the same superstitions. One is that white people are tall and big because they drink more milk <laughs> than Thai people. And so like, I'm only like six one, but going over there, they were like, wow, you're so tall. Like, are you sure you half Thai? You know, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's probably because your mom just fed you so much milk," <laughs> <laughs> and that was always really humorous to me. Or they—they're they're very Lamarckian in the way they view bodies, in the sense that like, "Oh, you play basketball, so that's why you're tall." <laughs> so I just thought that was very humorous and always made me chuckle. Like, I would end up being like, "Hey, like, my name's Arne, like, I'm half Thai." my mom just fed me a bunch of milk. So I'm this tall. And they'd be
0: like, Oh, that makes sense.
3: And it would be like, <laughs> yeah. it was a joke to me, but they would just totally, it'd be like, Oh, that makes sense. Cool. Oh, yeah. Like, for sure. <laughs> and they would just like move on, you know?
0: Dang, I need to start drinking more
3: milk, bro. <laughs> Another one is that a lot of times the way that they speak towards like babies, they'll call them like ugly in fear that like spirits will take the baby away. If it's like cute. Or, like, something will happen to it if it's beautiful. Dude, that
1: comes
0: from something
3: that's very, deep, That's bro. very Vietnamese as well.
1: That's interesting. That's crazy. I feel like that... I don't know if I'm making this up, but I feel like that's somewhat familiar. Because I lived in the Philippines for a couple of years. And I want to say I've heard that, too. <laughs> I mean... So, ugly so babies. <laughs> at what, what point do you start calling them, like, good luck? I have no when idea. When they can take care of themselves? <laughs> I'm going to be like, that's an ugly-ass baby. (laughs) Did you have any, like, stories? I I don't know what Charles told you. Did he have, like, any specific stories prepared?
3: I have one. That's pretty interesting.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit BetterHelp.com/slash three am, and you can get ten percent off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com/slash three am.
3: Yeah, so when I moved to Thailand, I lived in four pretty distinct regions of Thailand. I first moved to like Western Bangkok and then I was up in Khai, which is this northeastern province that borders, that's like on the Mekong River. I could see Laos from my house, like I could throw a rock and like get it into Laos. And then I moved back to Bangkok in a very like business district, so very downtown huge city. Then after that I moved to Chiang Rai up north where it was like a lot more relaxed and there's just a different energy up there. And then I moved to eastern Bangkok where all the Muslims live. And so I felt like I got a lot of different experiences and seeing Thailand in different through different lenses in like the different areas I was in. But I remember when I was up in Chiang Rai, it was during the winter. And when I say it's cold, I mean it was like At night, it would get, like, low 60s. But it's interesting how I, like, acclimated to their sense of temperature Mm -hmm. because I would just, like, wake up and be like, man, it's freezing outside. (laughs) (laughs) I remember one day I was, like, out teaching people or, like, inviting them to go to, like, um, our church and it was, like, 65 degrees outside and then i just like was like i can't do this i'm done and i go into the mall and buy like a fleece jacket because i was like freezing and my ne- <laughs> my nose is all stuffy i was like sniffling like trying to get people to church and i was like <laughs> and i was like this is disgusting
0: because you were freezing yeah
3: <laughs> but anyway while i was up there during the winter we were just trying like out in the community trying to find people who needed like help through service or it could have been anything it could have been like lawn care, helping with their children with like English, whatever that they needed. We wanted to be there to help them. Mm. And so while we were doing this service, we met this lady who was very interested in going to church, the church that um, we were talking about. And so we scheduled to meet with her and she was pretty open about learning about Christianity and what that, all that entailed. And so I, obviously like we're excited we're in this country that's 95 percent buddhist and here's someone who's very upfront about like what they want in terms of like religion so we met her at the church we sat down with her and she was she seemed like this very normal middle-aged mom who was just tired of the way she was raised she wanted like a change and so i could respect that but then like as i was talking to her i sensed like she was a little off I couldn't quite put like a pin on it. And at that time, I think I'd been out in Thailand for a year. So like my Thai, like I could hold a good conversation, but it wasn't great. My Thai wasn't that great. And then I realized that as I was talking to her, the language that she was using was only found in like the Bible or like religious texts. So we would be talking and she'd be telling us about our day and then she would switch and switch to this, like, very archaic religious language. But then she she continued her train of thought in this, like, phraseology. Oh. And that just creeped me out for some reason. Because as the conversation continued, she just, like, started quoting, like, passages of scripture that I knew.
1: And it was just weird. And you were thinking, like, this was her first introduction to, like... Yeah. What you were teaching. Yeah. So... Um.
3: I was a little creeped out, but also like wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, So we kept on talking and then we invited her to come to our service. She ended up not making it. And then that was like the last time I heard from her. That happens a lot. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But probably like three weeks down the road, I was in the church building and I was finishing up teaching like my English class that I had every week. And so all, this, all of my students had left and I was just like closing the church down, turning the lights off. And then I look to the right and I see like this small figure like through these doors and like doors had windows in it. So I can kind of peer through and see like a person on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just like one of my students like playing a joke on me. So like I like, kind of like, run up to the door and duck, you know, under the window. And I pop up to try and like scare this person and the person doesn't move. So I was like, oh, so like I turn the doorknob, open the door, and it like, kind of creaks, you oh. know. And I see this lady standing in the corner of this like atrium, mm-hmm. and it was dark, but there was a window in the top of the atrium that, and the moonlight was just shining perfectly like into this dark room. And I was like, hey, like, can I help you with anything? And there was no response. So I like stepped forward into the darkness a little bit. I was like, Hey, like, do you need help? Can I help you with anything? And like, she like slowly like walks forward and like just hits that pillar of moonlight. And it's like this lady, but she is not acting the way that she was acting. When I first met her, her hair was like disheveled. And like, she was just bawling. And like, there was snot everywhere. And She started to like cry kind of like with her body, you know, I got like scared. I was like, Hey, like, do you need something? And then like this cry, like this whimper turned into like a little like giggle. Hell no. And that's when I look back at my teaching partner. I was just like, come here. And I was like dead serious. So he like walks over and I was like, Hey, do you need something? And then she just starts walking towards me. And then she says my last name, like Arne, I need you to help me. And she's just a mess. And I immediately just like close the door and like walk as fast as I can to the opposite side of the room. And one of our friends was in there and I was like, "Not nah, like go deal with her.
1: Was that in Thai?
3: Yeah, so I, like... How how did you say it? So, Nat was, like, one of the guys that was there. He was, like, 18. Super cool guy. I was, like, Nat, my toy am I? Like, I was very serious. Like, come help me, please. So, he runs over there. And he, like, looks through the door, looks back at me. He's, like, like white. But then he just, like, says, get out. And, like, like, pushes her out. And she, like, gets on her moped and, like, you know, goes away. And we hear her leave. And I'm pretty shaken up because that was like very strange. And just the whole setting of the the whole experience was way weird. So we end up locking up the church. We get in our bikes. We live like 15 minutes away from the church and we're biking home. And then I just look to the right and then she comes flying by in her moped. And I was like, hell no, nah, she's chasing us. Oh. And so she like flies by us and like turns around on the road. And then I'm like, I called my, my partner over and I was like, we need to get out of here. So we like jump the curb and just start like sprinting home on our bikes. And obviously she's on a moped. So I was like, we need to lose her on the way or she's just going to know where we live. Mm -hmm. And so for like 30 minutes, we're just like biking through this very, it's like a river town. This very, like it's beautiful. But this like neighborhood that's like situated alongside of the river, so it's very wide, I guess, and so we're just like dicing through these alleyways, like going through people's yards,
0: and the whole time she's like And chasing she's like you. chasing us, is she like laughing or screaming or saying anything? she's silent so she's just focused oh, that's even worse. Man. yeah,
3: <laughs> and so I'm what, with, what are you feeling at this like at the time? It's just survival mode, and I'm like trying to like get away from this person. But then also like my teaching partner, this was his second week in country. So you're like taking, so care I'm him. like trying to make sure like he's okay. At Showing the same him time. the ropes. Yeah. So he didn't know any, any tie at the point.
0: Did you feel like in danger?
3: For some reason I didn't like, if that were to happen to me in the United States, I would be a mess I think. But like over there, I don't know if it was like I was ignorant or stubborn, but like I felt like I could handle myself but I was still scared to death. Oh, for if sure. If that makes sense. So we were just like weaving through the city. We turned the corner. I can't hear her moped behind us. And so I'm like, all right, let's go. So we like get to her house. And unfortunately, there's not like a front door. There's like a padlock at the bottom that you have to like, you know, put a key in, twist it, like throw your your door up, get in, and then you have to like grab the door, put it down and lock. So it's, a, it's like a process, you know? It's <laughs> not like you can like run into the front door and lock it and you're good. It's like a good 35 seconds, Gosh. you know? And so I unlock the padlock, throw the door up. My partner like just like never gets off his bike. he just like bikes into the house. <laughs> I close it. The lights are still all off, and we go into the back room where our kitchen is, and we just sit on the kitchen table, just in silence, and we're just panting, we're sweating, it's hot, but it's pitch dark. And we're just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, like our phone starts vibrating and it's like this lady's calling us because we have her number and she's calling us and calling us and it's just there on the table just vibrating and we're just sitting there scared to death that she's gonna find out where we live and then so that she called us for a good 10 minutes and then stopped calling us and then I was trying to diffuse the situation, you know? So I was like, you know what? Let's play a game of ping pong. Let's like, you know, try to relax. That was nuts. We go to bed. The, Girl, the, let's,
0: the, uh, let's go change our underwear. real quick. <laughs> yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> the kid that I was with, the, the person who had hadn't been in time for that long was pretty shaken up, but he was tired because he's not used to that environment. So he's just wasted tired. Mm. So he goes to bed. I didn't sleep that entire night. Cause I was convinced that like something was going to happen because when i was with her there was just like this sense of like another entity that gave her the advantage and so that whole night like i just stayed up like i sat up the whole night thinking that she knew where we lived or like she would just show up in my room Mm -hmm. and i just like couldn't shake that image of her like with her hair over her head crying slash laughing and it just creeped me out for like two weeks
1: Dude,
0: I'm like clenched right now.
1: (laughs) So that feeling that you got that there was some type of spirit or entity on her side helping her. Is that what made you feel like you couldn't take her head on even with the people that you're with? Like did the thought ever cross your mind that you can maybe, if push came to shove, maybe knock this lady out?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think... I think that for sure, like made me feel like me being like six one, one ninety five amongst a bunch of Thai people like not matter, because I am like bigger than most people there, but in that situation, like I felt way small, and I was just trying to get out of there.
0: It sounds like she was like targeting you when yeah. she's like, Arne Arne I don't know, dude, that is creepy is all sin (laughs) that's terrifying
1: i never heard this i had no idea about this this is crazy so after that evening nothing else
3: she would continue to to call and send weird text messages like really weird text messages but we would just ignore them Mm. but that was like the last time it was almost like whatever was driving her to act that way was like a last ditch effort to influence our lives and then after that whole whole ordeal happened, it was like way more mellow after that.
0: Like it used all its energy yeah. on this one night
1: and that was we its didn't. shot. But she never replied like when she called or texted.
2: <laughs> Good.
1: <laughs> and we told like the like the members
3: of the community that were that went to our church, like, hey, like this is what happened with this lady, just be aware because we were just like concerned for like the kids you know right. mm-hmm. we weren't sure like where her head was at and so we wanted to make sure everyone was safe mm-hmm. bro
0: that imagery when you're speaking i saw it all in my head like a movie like walking to the door seeing her in the shadow and then stepping into, the, moon into the
2: moonlight Moonlight. <laughs> oh,
0: is that like the scare the most terrified you've ever been in your life yeah easily easily right?
3: <laughs> i had mad chills for like the forever
0: Bro,
2: that uh, sitting on the table with the phone— bzz, bzz, that's what got me. Just sitting there in the dark, just like knowing that something's out there and just knowing they're trying to get a hold of you. Dude, she was probably
0: watching from the window, watching that phone buzz on the table, just <laughs> like on the ceiling. <laughs> she was uh, right, she was right above you, dog. You just some snot drips down on you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the scary—the scary thing about that house was it was a massive house, so it was. Just me and my partner, and then we had like a three-story house to ourselves. So many windows to crawl. So in. many windows. Oh. It was a huge house, and there was lots of empty rooms, oh. like a tin ceiling. So, like when it rained, you could really, really hear loud. It. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, So that just added kind of to like the overall effect of that night being in like the mental space that I was in. Like I was just on edge.
0: Bro, I would have bought
1: a plane ticket home. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the scariest story that you experienced firsthand while you were in Thailand. For sure. Dude, that's wild. <laughs> and it just added to
3: the the overall energy of Nong Khai. Or Yeah, I'm not, sorry. I said that was it was in Chiang Rai, but it was actually in Nong Khai. Okay. Nong like I said, it borders the Mekong River. It has the most religious statues and temples per square mile than any other place in so, Thailand. So it's like a hotbed for, yeah, because it's on the river. There's like that sense of like religious nice. sacredness. It's life giving. Yeah. It's, yeah. So there's just the religion there is very, you can't miss it. And so I think that aspect of the environment coming at me with
0: this, in just such a real in your face way
3: being like, maybe I saw like five other um, white people in that entire place. We were just a very, it was just us.
0: Bro, so it's nuts. I'm still tripping. That was a crazy experience, and thank you for sharing. You said that's not something you talk a lot about, obviously because it was intense to go through. So we appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, You said that was up in near the what river? The Mekong River. The Mekong River,
1: and that's what separates Thailand and Laos. Yeah, or at least part of it.
0: Yeah. And you said that river is pretty important. It has a lot of uh, religious significance. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you telling me something about it. Like,
3: yeah, uh, so this is really interesting. And not a lot of people understand like, why this happens or if it's actually some like, plain jokes. The Mekong River is a massive river that runs along the east border of Thailand, separates Thailand from Laos and Cambodia. So it's huge. Mm-hmm. I think like River Monsters did like an episode on it.
2: Wait. I may have seen that episode.
3: So there's this thing up in Nong Kai. It's it's like their version of the Loch Ness monster. It's called the Payanag or the Naga. I don't know if you guys watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh <laughs> there's an episode where they like there's like the Naga. Yeah. River Monster that Aang like rides.
2: Oh, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> that's dope. So that's based on Thai Thai Lao. Folklore, so they attribute all of the interesting natural phenomenons that happen in that river, whether that be like unique waves that like are supernatural in the river, or scratches on big boats or whatever, to the Payanag. And there is this festival that happens at the, I believe it's in November, which is at the end of a specific Buddhist season. I was never there during this time, but apparently from the depths of the river, these like little glowing balls come up from the riverbanks and like float into the air.
0: And people witness this.
3: And people witness it. What? And so like they attribute that to like the flames of the Payanag that, you know, it's like claiming its territory or it's protecting the land.
0: Is the pyanog? Is it a like a serpent? It's like a serpent type dragon,
3: more like a. I would say like a serpent's a better word, yeah, than dragon. Huh. And it's interesting because people have like done research on it. Some people are like, it's just people in, in like Lao that are like shooting rounds or whatever into the air that make it appear glowing balls like floating from the river into the sky. And then there's some like biologists like accredited biologists that say it's like has to deal with trapped gas like phosphorus like igniting because it happens only during a certain time of the year. Huh. But that's just another instance of Thai people and like their folklore and how intimate that connection is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like there's multiple explanations and theories but the fact of the matter is the story of it at least is real and people talk about it and know about it and.
3: Yeah. And it's a party like every November, the whole village, they just like have like a barbecue along the river. There's like boat racing. It's a, you know, people are drinking beer. It's like a great time. And then at night people like camp out and they just like watch. Mm -hmm. That's That's crazy. Yeah. Natural (laughs) phenomenon happen or this. Something Laotians (laughs) dude shooting
0: guns on the other side of the river. Them Laotians, bro. That sounds like so much fun. Does the Pionog, or how do you pronounce it? Payanag. Payanag. Did it have something to do with like protecting like one country from another or anything like that? Yeah, so traditionally the Payanag was
3: like a symbol of
0: the people of Laos.
3: Hmm. So it was like their hero, I guess, or guardian, and it would fight with the Thais. I don't know if you saw like a bird like figure, very mythological bird, but from what I've read on and what I've heard, like these two creatures would like fight. Hmm. That's um, cool. But now like both sides of Thailand and Lao, like you see picture like massive 50 feet statues of a serpent yeah. in like the square. And that's just the Payanak and like
1: they're remembering it. Hmm. Since that's a, a creature that comes from, is it lao or laos yeah okay laos Laos. from laos uh are there any creatures or monsters in thailand that the people believe in or talked about there are two very specific like spirits or ghosts Mm -hmm.
3: that are very popular in every kid adult will like they know the stories of these two specific ghosts um the one i'm thinking of it's called the Graisseur, and it's essentially like, so it appears to be this beautiful woman, but it's actually like this like floating head with like the intestines just like f- trailing it as it like oh. flies through the air. Oh, And so this graisseur preys on blood, raw meat, and pregnant women.
1: so what what do like Thai people say? To pregnant women or do they do anything because of the existence of this this ghost or this spirit? Don't leave meat out or pregnant women don't be alone or anything like that. Yeah, so
3: in a lot of rural places, they'll like use thorns as a way to protect a home. Hmm. They're very conscious of just blood in general, which I think is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of, I think there's like actually a movie on Netflix right now that Features the Gracie,
0: Gracie,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's spelling, sick.
2: please. Good luck.
3: <laughs> Just look up Thai movies on Netflix, and it'll come up. I'll show you. Ooh, the inhuman my kiss. Gosh. That's the what it's inhuman
0: called. Inhuman
3: kiss. I like. I'm only like ten minutes into this movie because, like, <laughs> I like how to do stuff. But bro, that looks inhuman. No. hope <laughs> but the, the the interesting part about like the first ten minutes of the movie is like it starts off with this like girl who I'm not sure if it was like her first time or whatever, but like she's like on her period mm-hmm. and then like starts freaking out because like she like sees blood in her bed in the morning and like the stuff in the room is like scattered, and so that's kind of like the introduction to
0: Gracia oh. it, yeah
1: mm. that's sick
0: yeah dude the way to make like a trying time in a girl's oh, life right. even more trying <laughs> <Good word. Stressful. laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, hormones, no, floating head, yeah, monster.
3: <laughs> and then, like I said, they're the most popular ghost story. It's literally been depicted in probably twenty five plus films. Mm-hmm. Wow, It's the story of this lady. her name is Nag Nang and she was born in Prakanong southeast bangkok marshland she was born there so this is like a couple hundred years ago obviously and she's like the this beautiful daughter of like the village chief and she falls in love with this very handsome soldier who's there and they get married and they conceive the baby's not born yet but before the baby's born her husband Mog, sorry their names are very similar Mog goes off to, to battle while he's in battle, Nang Nag, his wife has the child but dies in childbirth oh. so it's like super emotional and very sad. He comes back to the village, obviously he's very excited to like see his son and to like spend time with his wife who he's been away with and goes back to his house and like everything's fine and so it's like this story of this spirit who's so in love but tormented that she like died in childbirth and that her husband wasn't there to support her so she like tries to live with him and like i guess trick him into thinking that this is real and that it's reality but everyone in the village is like there's something going on at nang nag's house and they all kind of know something's up they heard rumors that she had died but like her husband is just, like, very involved in the community. And so they're just, like... It's, like, kind of an awkward situation, right? And so, like, the story goes that um, Nang Nag is just so angry that she ends up, like, creating, like, a lot of chaos in the city. And it ends up, like, everything, like, calms down when, like, a priest or a monk comes and, like, casts the spirit away. But, like, that's a very, very common mm. story. So is there, like specific things she
2: targets or is she just haunting overall yeah. or how has she like in
1: any specific way affected
3: from the depictions that i've seen of her she is very violent towards people who point out that she's not alive and that she's not like a living wife so that obviously creates like this social environment in the village like yo man knocks a ghost, but like don't yeah. Especially
1: <laughs> her husband, because then she'll kill you. That's a fun dynamic because you know there's always naysayers.
2: <laughs> bro, I would get go and say some nays, so bro. Fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like babe, she's not alive. What the?
1: <laughs> Dude, what if you?
0: What if you ran into Nang Nak up in your that other village, bro? What? She was the one chasing you, dog. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. That's crazy. There is one that you haven't talked about yet, and. It's something that I think you I think you said Thai children used to call you or
3: Oh yeah. So <laughs> this is kinda goes along with superstition. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times if you were like a really naughty kid, just super disobedient, reckless, didn't behave, they believed that you become very like thin and tall and lanky. And they had a word for that called braid. And that was just like a lot of their ghosts or monsters encompass Braid. Like they're very like tall and skinny and like just very creepy looking. So like long <laughs> fingers and limbs. So if I was like joking around with someone and they wanted to be, be like, yo, like get out of here. You know, they'd be like Braid. Like they call me Braid. And like you just look like one of those.
0: Because <laughs> you're tall.
3: Yeah, because I'm tall and like I was way skinny when I was there. Just like Ty Slenderman. Yeah. Was, <laughs> straight up. That's exactly what they look like. Though. Slenderman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they would call me that and laugh as a joke, but like they'd actually do believe like to an extent that that happens to kids who are disobedient. That's how they might raise a kid to become right. more every, obedient. Every culture, Frickin there's parents, some dude. type
1: of superstition that involves a spirit or a monster stealing children. <laughs> and we talked about this in a previous episode about how parents. <laughs> it's lazy like, ass parenting, bro. <laughs> yeah, They're
0: like, I don't have the time, effort, or uh, wherewithal to teach you how to be a good person. So I'm going to scare you. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah, there's um uh, this guy who will come take you away if you don't eat your veggies. Yeah. Effective. That's
1: what I call that. <laughs> Dang.
3: We've talked a lot about the really enjoyable aspects of Thailand, what makes it a great home, what makes it a great place of vacation. Um, But there's also with every place, like a different side, a a darker side to it. Mm -hmm. And I guess this dark side is very personal to me and how it like impacted my family. So I kind of wanted to share my family's story when it comes to, the corruption that does exist in a place like Thailand. Definitely. Um, so, so like I said, my mom was born in just outside of Bangkok. And so she, her story is like very humbling. She was born a couple months premature in the back of a minivan. And then she spent three months in the hospital, just like trying to stay alive. And then when she was finally released, you know, she went home to a, a, to a humble house. It was a two bedroom hut With a dirt floor and no running water. And so, like, that was like her first step into life. It was like a really rough, you know, beginning. And to make matters worse, like, her mother was so busy supporting the kids. She had so many jobs that she was never home. And so they loved their mother, but knew that she was just like working all the time. And another reason why she had to do that was because my mom's dad just was like really into like gambling and like prostitution and drugs. And that's like a huge part of Thailand in terms of like people have just exploited that area through those like activities, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he was very involved in like that aspect of Thailand, that dark side of Thailand. And so when my mom was four three or four, her dad actually sold her, and her older sister into slavery. So he sold his own daughters to a family. I'm not sure where they lived. They weren't going into like child prostitution. But they were sold to become like the maids or servants of a household. This is your mom. This is my mom.
2: Holy cow.
3: So she just remembers hanging out with her dad one day in a park. And then he... A van pulls up, and he just like puts them in a van. They go. Obviously, they're really young. They don't, not really sure what's going on, and then just like driving away, and then never coming back. And so,
1: it was her and her sister, sister, so like my aunt. Okay, and they're they're young. They're They're young. So like three
3: and seven, four and seven. Did she have any other siblings? Not at the time. So he so he sold his only daughters like my, my mom and aunt to this family while my grandma was off working. Whoa. And was this to
0: like, um,
3: just for money fund, his, his habits and things.
1: That's evil.
3: Yeah. And so they, they were gone for about a year, year and a half. Um, my mom doesn't remember much and she's super grateful for that. My aunt, still remembers stuff. And so she's still like dealing with like that trauma. Um, but it, my grandma obviously er, was furious with the situation. I remember the only thing that I know is that like she came home, the kids were gone. He was like passed out, on the, inebriated with like a couple women. And she just like took a pan, oh. like a cooking pan and just like beat the snot out of him and then left him
1: damn yeah as she should
3: yeah um that's literally all i know about my grandpa like uh, my 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 biological grandpa but fortunately for our family my grandma met my step grandpa my the grandpa that i know to be my grandpa mm-hmm. in the area and he was in the us army and with his resources and, like, the intelligence that he had, he was able to, like, figure out, like, where this family was. And so a year and a half went by and my, my grandma was able to, like, bring them home. So she went and rescued them. Yeah. And I'm not sure. This is something that I'm really interested in learning more about. I have no, this is just, like, very brief conversations that I've had with people. Like, no one, for, for a good reason, like, they want they don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um my my mom and my aunt come back and then they live with my my great aunt and then my my grandma like moves like they moved to to the u.s because my grandpa's done with his time in thailand so he got transferred and then like they all like chain migrated to to the u.s and so my mom came to the u.s when she was about 11 and Once that happened, it was just like, this is our new life. This is our new home. Like, you're American. We speak English. We need to, like, start over here. Hmm. And so that's why, like, my mom doesn't speak Thai anymore. That's part of the reason why, like, my relationship with my heritage was strained because of that, like, Hmm. we need to survive here and start over because the beginning of your life wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Hmm. And so that's why it was, like, hard for me to maybe like, verbalize, like, what it means to be Thai because it just, like, takes all of those experiences that I now know and in, it just, like, internal like internalizing all that information is a lot. And uh, so just going back to Thailand, to a place that I know, like, those bad things happened, but, like, there's so much good was, like, very interesting for me. So my relationship with Thailand has always been heavy,
0: but very powerful at the same time. And just coming from knowing you and knowing your family, your mom, I consider her my mom. Um, and she's just one of the, I don't know, One of the people in my life I've met who's the fullest of light.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I love your family, bro. (laughs) Um, Yeah, That's awesome to hear, especially coming from a situation like that. Like it sounds like a a success story. That's really beautiful too.
3: Yeah. And I think because of those experiences, it's like made my home such a, special place to me and a lot of people that have been there because there have been times where like my my mother's home wasn't a good place. It was full of evil. And so props to her for being able to like create an environment that like enables people to feel love. And it's just like a testament to like, that's what it means to be tied to me. Uh, You know what I mean? Like love, these doors are open. You can be here and feel safe. You can be here and have a family come here and eat with us dine with us like laugh with us
0: that's what it means to be tied to me and your mom is the perfect personification of that Uh, anytime i've ever had um family dinner at the rna's there's always like six or like strays in there (laughs) people who like have just gravitated towards you or your family and especially your mom but man that's so that's so true that rings so true
3: I know I wish I like I was like trying to verbalize that in the beginning but like I like didn't know how to yet. Yeah. I don't know if that makes
0: all sense came, all came right back yeah, uh, yeah so. <laughs> that was beautiful I loved I loved hearing you speak about it I loved hearing your perspective and your experiences and how and your family's relationship with Thailand and so I don't know thank you for sharing and being willing to share uh, Cause that was beautiful.
1: I think a big reason why we love culture is it's like the flavor of life, like the different perspectives, stories and experiences and beliefs that come from different corners of the planet. It's like, you don't hear those rare, like rarely ever, you know? So we're happy that you had the time to come and share some of that. So thank you for sharing some of those stories, even though some of them were kind of came from a dark place um there's things to be learned and there's good things that came from it
3: mm-hmm. yeah thanks for giving me the opportunity to i feel like i haven't spoken about these things in so long or actually verbalized them so it was nice to be able to organize them in my head for like future
1: use as well so i appreciate you guys having me on here Dude, yeah no anytime time, bro <laughs> there, there's a place for those kind of things and we like to think that we we have a platform for that and we know we have a handful of listeners who who appreciate things like that and will be excited to have heard your story. So
0: Straight up, I think a lot of our listeners like our guest episodes more than just us talking, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, don't, and I agree with them. Yeah, I, it's honestly fine. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I just echo what they said. <laughs> it's great to have you. Dude, anytime you want to come back, you're freaking welcome, bro. <laughs> Open doors. Mm-hmm. Come and eat with us. <laughs> Uh, what's that thing you said in Thai? Can you say it one last time before?
3: Uh, let me try to remember. I think that we all are I that love is that we in life to and the things
1: Ah. What's oh. the common tiger uh farewell Ooh. phrase? Just so what Cub. So what Cub? Yep. And we leave that with everyone out there. Thanks for coming through. Bye, lovey, See be safe. You. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs>